How is it possible that it's already August? We hope you are enjoying your summer. Back by popular demand is our AirPods Pro giveaway. Members who successfully answer our bonus content quiz will be entered for a chance to win a pair of AirPods Pro. To participate, you must have access to the bonus sections of the podcasts, which you get by becoming a member. Members also receive an ad-free listening experience, an evening newsletter, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of August, you'll receive 50% off the normal membership price. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code BONUSCONTENT, one word, at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code Bonus content. Thank you for your support. This is Words Matter with Norm Ornstein. We've got the votes and screw the rest of you. And Dr. Kavita Patel. These might be some of the smaller moments, you know, with all the bombshells. Didn't catch people's eyes. Hello and welcome to Words Matter from the DSR Network. Each week, Norm Ornstein and I will talk about the issues facing our country as we head into another election cycle, and we'll discuss what our leaders are saying or not saying and doing or not doing about them. Well, Norm, today we've got, uh, I think um, our incredible producer is in the heartland, as he says, uh, Ohio. So there's a lot of news coming out of Ohio that's uh, relevant to some of what we wanted to talk about. I'm in California where there is a blissful silo of liberals who are all kind of hoping that um, the 2024 election is is really just an afterthought, so to speak, whereas I'm growing more concerned as I'm watching the news norm around some of the legal affairs, not only involving the former president, uh, but also what might be unfolding in Georgia. So I know we wanted to touch on that, but uh, maybe you can kind of recap on the top of your mind, what got your attention this week? And then just for our listeners to hear for the um, special segment for our members only, we are going to pay some tribute and kind of reflection on what is unfolding, unfortunately, as we record in Maui. And I just want to make a kind of a direct plea. I've got colleagues who are um, physicians there and they've described what just sounds like scenes of terror and just an incredible it just it just breaks my heart that this is um, probably an island that is going to experience such devastation and loss that it'll take a generation or more to come back from. So that we're going to talk about and focus on in our members only segment, but really would love to make sure everyone gets access to that. So Norm, what is top of mind? Tell me what also stuck struck stuck out and struck you as important in the news this week. Well, uh, first, of course, as you mentioned, Kavita, it's Ohio, and we know what happened there. The uh, Republicans knew that there was going to be a referendum coming up on abortion, um, that referendums in Ohio uh, get, require 50%. They Republicans in Ohio had railed against uh, the cost of special elections but decided to do one in August where there would be a low turnout to raise the threshold to 60%. Polls had shown about 58% support for this amendment that would have basically legalized abortion in Ohio. Uh, 
And uh, one of the masterminds of this was their Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, who wants to be in the Senate, um, who's a, just an awful, awful uh, radical Trumpist person. Um, and they got trounced, um, and with a turnout that was quite remarkable. And I, uh, it's important not just because it's another in a stream of instances where if voters are given the opportunity to choose in different states, Kansas was the first one and it was quite a shock, um, they're opting to return to a situation where abortion is safe and legal. And we've also seen a uh, court case uh, now uh, trying to move away from the horrific danger that people facing miscarriages have where doctors don't know uh, whether they would be committing a crime by helping them before they bleed to death. So we're seeing a backlash there and uh, it's continuing. It's not dying down uh, in the aftermath of the Dobbs decision. And if I were Sherrod Brown, the senator from Ohio, the Democratic senator from Ohio, who knows that the state has moved more and more in a red direction, um, I would be feeling pretty uh, good after this uh, referendum vote because the, the referendum will be on the ballot in November and abortion will be uh, a top issue. And it might make a difference in House and Senate races in a pivotal state. So that's one thing. Uh, the second is, of course, more and more drama and trauma involving Donald Trump at all levels. We have uh, moves going forward, uh, including a continuing grand jury in Washington, including not just fake electors uh, promoting an insurrection, but also now looking at money. And it's always important to look at money. And one of the interesting things uh, going on now is Bernie Carrick came in to testify. And apparently it was about the funds that Trump has raised in the aftermath of, the, uh, of his departure from office and whether those funds have been misused uh, for his own purposes. So there may be multiple additional federal counts raised against Donald Trump, who at this point is in a world of hurt. The only good news for him, as we also look forward to probably this coming week, uh, Fonnie Willis bringing what appears to be a slew of charges against a large number of people in Georgia. The only good news for Trump is uh, Judge Eileen Cannon in Florida has made it increasingly clear that she is acting more as a lawyer for Trump's defense team than as an impartial judge. And the reason I raise that is she uh, issued this ruling that was a bizarre one, attacking uh, the uh, grand jury continuing to be involved in issues uh, that stemmed from the uh, search of Mar-a-Lago and the classified documents and the stolen documents, uh, and did a screed that was completely unhinged from what the law and clear precedents are. And we learned later that it was taken almost directly from a Fox News broadcast. So uh, 
what appears to be happening is that the Trump people are sending messages through Fox and Judge Cannon is listening. Now, you know, we could attribute this to her being inexperienced. She clearly is far too inexperienced, even if she were on the up and up to take on a case of this magnitude. Uh, but uh, it looks more ominous than that. It doesn't look as if she is rising to the occasion. Uh, and that leaves us with the at least satisfaction that we're moving forward in Washington with what's likely to be the first trial in uh, New York with Alvin Bragg's case and very soon in Georgia. And those may come before the case at Mar-a-Lago. It's too bad that uh, the documents case, which is the clearest slam dunk uh, in the federal charges, might not get settled before the election. Uh, but right. So let me let me offer like just I'm going to be a hundred percent honest as I always am on this podcast. Um, there are so many things going on with Trump's legal issues that it is so confusing. And I'm a pretty educated person. I am very worried that nobody except a handful of us are able to kind of keep track of what's happening. And all it is doing is creating more confusion, obfuscation. And I'll be honest, I think it's only charging the base more than anything. And maybe just, I don't know if all the listeners want this recap. I had to do it to kind of prepare for today. Like, how did we get to this Judge Aileen Cannon kind of situation? And it started when Jack Smith's team raised concerns about the not, what Stanley Woodward, who is Nata's lawyer, um, having represented possible trial witnesses against Nauta, Nauta, I can't even say his name. And, and that's where there was, that's how this started. And then Tavares got, so Nauta's lawyer, Stanley Woodward, represented someone named Yusul Tavares, who Woodward had represented before Trump and Nauta were indicted uh, several months ago and was totally unaware of the testimony that his client, Tavares, could give against his other client, Nauta. But now, obviously, now that that's like happened, this guy, Tavares, who was again represented by Woodward, got new counsel. And then a superseding indictment charged Trump, Nauta, another defendant, Carlos Oliveira, de Oliveira, and some other things, asking Tavares, again, who is now new counsel, to delete security footage at Mar-a-Lago. So again, to your point, what is such a clear like slam dunk case, but they now prosecutors want Judge Cannon to hold a hearing on the conflict, to your point about kind of being influenced, not just by Fox News and other media, but prosecutors in that filing of that motion to Judge Cannon said that grand juries in both Florida and Washington um, were going to continue to investigate and that in support of their hearing, they filed information under a seal, so under a secrecy seal, privacy seal with Canon to not submit it publicly. And they said it was because of grand jury secrecy. And then following all of what prosecutors asked for, she basically then, she struck down the government's sealed filings and said that it failed to give the sufficient basis for secrecy. And then in addition to that, ordered that now does response to that conflict of interest hearing motion shall address to your point. I'm just giving a little bit more detail to the point you made about kind of she kind of upped it a notch in, in rejecting the prosecutor's motion. She then said, 
that she wants there to be a hearing to kind of deal with addressing the legal propriety of using an out-of-district grand jury proceeding to continue to investigate and or to seek post-indictment hearings on matters pertinent to the instant indicted matter in this district. I had to actually like stop and read her sentence, her statement for a couple more sentences or several more minutes, Norm, to understand. It's not entirely clear, but it does seem that she's referring to this notion that prosecutors can't use grand juries to build their case against a defendant. Um, although what seems to have happened here is that he's not already indicted, that he's got a supersede, that the prosecutors have a superseding indictment kind of piled on to some of these other indictments. But then there's also so many other things that her statement opens up, which is even calling into question, to your point, the current indictment. None of this, none of this is good for Jack Smith. <laughs> like none of it, to your point, is like, I mean, it's, it's whatever, whatever her intention was of that statement, though, I'm just going to ask you, feels like to me, kind of not, you're not, I mean, you and I are not legal experts to be certain, but you're, you definitely um, have had really good instincts on this. Whatever happens, however her statement was intended, this seems like a big invitation for the defense to basically say, this whole case is suspect and subject, and now everything just gets undone. Current indictments, superseding indictments. So I guess Jack Smith has, what is it, like two weeks basically to respond. So we'll have a better sense of that in his response. But I got to be honest with you, Norm, between that and the confusion that has been just injected, um, not just by Trump, but kind of by how hard it is to keep track of this it does feel like we're going to see an even more empowered former president Trump. Tell me what I, tell me your reaction to that. Uh, first, I think you're exactly right. Uh, the only question now for uh, involving judge Cannon or two questions. One is whether the uh, 11th circuit um, will uh, once again, slap her down for something that is, uh, by every legal standard, bizarre uh, involving the grand juries. The second is when, if ever, we reach a point where Jack Smith and his crew can uh, go for um, a uh, uh, another judge based on the clear legal standard of somebody who is biased. And we're seeing additional information emerging that she is extraordinarily biased. I mean, the reaction from people who are prosecutors to this ruling on her part is it's just absolutely bizarre. And then we learn that it just follows directly from a screed done uh, uh, on the media. So it didn't come from the law. It came from something she saw on television, uh, which uh, it's still... Um, amazing to me that somebody who had a, a solid record uh, went to the University of Michigan Law School, got a significant number of Democratic votes, could be so pathetic. And she is genuinely pathetic. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we have to assume at this point that even if this trial goes forward, it's not going to be until after the election. And that's what Trump is banking on. Now, having said that, and Trump is, you're absolutely right. He's benefited by the confusion. Uh, but the wagons are circling now. And he's got 
a set of problems with these additional indictments going forward, uh, and there will be more, including Georgia. He's already spent a staggering sum of money on legal fees. He's going to need more lawyers and more legal fees. Uh, he is desperately trying to use the uh, social media to intimidate witnesses and judges. Um, we ought to mention, by the way, Kavita, the other piece of news along these lines. We know that there have been threats against Alvin Bragg, uh, against uh, the, the uh, judge in D.C., against Jack Smith and the other prosecutors. But the fact that the FBI went in with a search warrant to a man in Utah and ended up killing him after he had made a series of explicit threats with an arsenal of weapons against Joe Biden, who was arriving in Utah, which is the urgency of going after this guy, but also against Bragg and others who have been pursuing Trump. The power of Trump to go public in attacking people and inciting potential violence against them is another element here. And I suspect we are not far from a complete gag order. And maybe Trump is taunting uh, the judges in these cases. Um, but it's, uh, you know, any other person would be in jail right now for what he had done. You saw that I assume you're referencing um, many things, including recently in New Hampshire after a Trump rally where Trump supporters were interviewed on the ground. This, this much I caught on like clips, a uh, video that uh, Trump's Trump supporters were caught like just kind of after a rally around a rally on the ground and asked, you know, so what happens if um, 2024 election comes and goes, you know, and Donald Trump loses and literally the words out of particularly the people caught on camera, but it was not a, it was a popular sentiment, not an uncommon sentiment that there'll be a civil war. And, and it's one of the first times, I mean, we, we talked about civil war rhetoric and, you know, kind of this like ideology rhetoric, a, a war of ideologies. I will say you're Norm. I, I literally kind of paused, saw the clip. It was yesterday. I saw the clip and I thought, this is not like when they say civil war, this is not meant in rhetoric. This is meant in reality. And I'm, I just don't know. I don't know. I just have this bad sense that bad things could happen, including Trump being more popular or being boosted and having it be a call to action. I hope, I hope what you said about Ohio, kind of the glimpse and insight, this should give <clears throat> Sherrod Brown on his Senate seat. I hope that also gets Democrats out to vote too, clearly like it did for that referendum. But I don't know which side will get more people out to vote and in what, what degree. And, and uh, that's, that still seems to be up for debate. And there's a lot of time between now and the elections, enough time to see an incredible swing in, in many directions, some of which are very dark. And that's, um, it's the first time I've kind of thought through the like, what was more just inflammatory fascist comments, not being so, um, not that, that translate to plots. And as we know about January 6th, kind of coordinated attempts. Um, but yeah, that's, I I'm just, I'm just kind of doubling down on the comment you made about um, civil war. I mean, it, it, I will say the fact that, uh, 
we have now seen prosecuted over a thousand people from January 6th with long jail sentences for many, I think has had a deterrent effect on <clears throat> the use of violence up to now. Um, and up to now, we're more looking at these unhinged individuals. But your, your fears are uh, sadly accurate. And it's going to be interesting going forward. I just saw that Larry Ellison, uh, the former uh, or the tech uh, billionaire, multi-billionaire, is pouring a huge sum of money in to help uh, Tim Scott. Um, oh, yeah. And, I saw that. Mm -hmm. uh, I also saw this uh, interview with Frank Luntz where he was uh, talking about the evangelical community stunned that uh, they had booed um, uh, Mike Pence, who really was one of their own, and were, you know, cheering Trump. Um, but interestingly, we're booing Pence on Ukraine. But Frank Luntz talking about how Tim Scott is the guy who kind of speaks the language that these evangelicals like. I am a skeptic at this point, but it's uh, a suggestion at least that some of the billionaire class and other Republican elites are getting more nervous about Trump, not because they're appalled by his behavior, but because they think that it uh, makes him weaker in a general election campaign. And I suspect they'll be influenced by Ohio as well. But the fact is that these establishment figures didn't want him in 2016, and that didn't stop him. And he's still the odds-on favorite uh, to win a nomination. And I think you're right that a lot of his support is shoring up. And a lot of it is going to be yeah. there because of people who uh, think that uh, he is being unfairly railroaded, uh, who don't look at any of the evidence, um, and who uh, want to uh, stick it to the opponents, uh, to the other tribe. Uh, put that together with a, one of our favorite uh, uh, villains, No Labels, and we have to be very, very nervous that all these legal troubles notwithstanding, it's not out of the question that Donald Trump could get uh, elected in 2024. And if that happens, uh, this country is toast. Yeah, you and I have spoken about um, some of the timing of, uh, obviously, we've got these indictments and then potential sentence, you know, just potential verdicts and, and trials and sentencing and, and all of that could get somewhat delayed. Looks like some of it will be before the election, but still it doesn't it doesn't matter i think or it, it's just a, a it's a reality that i think so then let's maybe kind of pivot to some of what democrats are doing in response if if you wouldn't mind indulging us and telling us i i will say that um, i've been waiting for i know that there's been like a little bit of a reboot of kamala harris to kind of show like Yes, she is indeed our, my running mate. You notice that that's kind of getting a little bit more organized. I think you may have also noticed they appointed, since um, the Democratic National Convention is going to be held in Chicago, um, they've appointed what I think might be a first ever in the DNC for like kind of an all-female leadership team. And so I'm, I'm curious, though. I don't know if like amongst the noise and din, you know, whether it's economic success and you and I have spoken about like kind of what Biden has done just even in his first term to really bring the country back from like the brinks of recession, et cetera. I don't know if anybody's giving enough credit 
And then I think on top of it, it does feel, it's a little bit like, um, you know, in, in, in grade school, like the, the, the kid that threw the loudest temper tantrum got the most attention. And, and that's essentially what kind of is happening on the level of a country. So tell me what you're seeing bright spots this week, maybe, or just in the recent past on kind of where Democrats are putting a response. Ohio itself is that bright spot, right? Like that. And, and maybe we should think about what was the ground game in Ohio to get people out to vote? What was that communication network like? Um, our producer is in Ohio. Maybe he can do some intel for us and bring it back to the next pod. But what is it that we need to be seeing more from the Democrats or what are you seeing that can be um, a glimmer of hope? So I, I do think uh, Biden is now traveling around the country to talk about what the administration has done. And they have gotten uh, almost no credit for the many positive things that have kept the economy basically on track. Uh I think it's uh, late to be doing this, but at least we're starting to see some recognition that the actions do not speak for themselves, that you have to point out who's responsible for it. And of course, that also means pointing out the hypocrisy of people who voted against programs and now are uh, touting the benefits for their own constituents. So we we have, uh, I think... The right recognition going on here, and they're starting to establish their own campaign team. And I think you're right about Kamala Harris, who for the first time in this presidency is now emerging as a positive force, uh, and that's a good thing uh, as well. But you know, you have to reach to find the positive things out there, frankly. The climate is not what it should be, uh, given everything else. I mean, the other thing that's positive is surveys show that Biden's support among Democrats is actually higher than Trump's support among Republicans. Biden's got about 87% approval among Democrats. Now, he's got a long ways to go, and that doesn't necessarily translate into people voting uh, and voting for him. But he's in better shape than a lot of the overall assessments would suggest not right. the best shape. Yeah. Uh, it's still far too close uh, for any of our tastes uh, than it should be. Uh, this should not be a situation where Donald Trump is even remotely in a competitive place, but he is. So uh, it's late, but it's not too late. It's it's late, but it's never. And I agree, it's never too late. So I'm I'm happy to, I'm more than happy to keep profiling positives, wins. Also, where Democrats have flaws, you and I have not been shy about being critical as well. So if I had to do a little prescribing, and we'll we'll wrap here so that we can get to some of the comments about um, Maui in our in our next segment. But if if I were to give my doctor's prescription, I really wish that. You know, the president and vice president, as you well know, have one advantage over the everything anyone else in the American public does, and that's the podium, that's the press briefing room, that's any reporter being willing to come and listen to, you know, even like a 10-minute announcement on like drug discounts, which the president's done. There needs to be just like a steady pat pitter-patter and surrogates to boot. I've been still waiting to kind of see like a deployed, you know, Gina Raimondo, right? It deployed like Pete Buttigieg and, and they're doing it, but it's, 
it's kind of almost like covert. So if I had to give a prescription, I would want to kind of offer my prescription would be to say 100%, you need to get out there and use your bully pulpit and don't even think twice about it, but make sure you make sure that every day, even if it's the same message over and over and over again, that it's getting out to the American people. All right. Well, Norm, I'm going to um, kind of stop us there. I want to thank our incredible producer. Um, I, I, I want to also actually, I'll start with uh, our executive producer, Chris Cotnoir, where Words Matter is a podcast in the DSR network. Please share this episode, do what you can to spread just a civil conversation about democracy and what's at stake. And hopefully also thanking our incredible producer, Riley Fessler, who is going to give us the ground game report from Ohio as he tells us what's happening. And then also just great thanks to you, Norm. And we want to have anybody who is willing to join us on the member side where we're going to hopefully have a important discussion about not just what's happening in Maui, but kind of what it reflects, reflects and what's on really is what is at stake for how our country has now become so polarized that we must spin what's happening on a horrible situation. So please join us there and we'll see you on, look for our podcast uh, on or around August 17th next time. Thank you.